to open up your Bibles this morning to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And I want to ask you to turn towards the end of Revelation to chapter 20, to Revelation chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, please feel free to use one of those provided in the seats in front of you. If you choose to use one of those Bibles, you'll find our passage this morning on page 1040. This morning we are looking at a very sobering passage. I am convinced that one of the main duties of a preacher is to do all that he can to awaken people out of their worldly stupor. Uh, In other words, most people, most of the time, are living in something of a daze. They're so caught up in temporal things, in trivial things, that their minds are not set on what really matters and what really counts. Their hearts are not concerned with ultimate realities. And all of us, Even the most seasoned of Christians can fall into that trap. And so the Bible is full of passages graciously given to us by God to sober us up, to wake us up. And certainly this passage, dealing with the great day of judgment to come, ought to have that effect on us. My first purpose this morning is to sober us up to the reality that you and I have eternal souls and that one day we will stand before God and we will give an account. My second purpose is to prepare us to come to the Lord's table By reminding us how wonderful it is that God has provided a Savior for us in Christ Jesus. This table is visible tokens from Christ to all who believe on His name to remind us that He is ours and we are His. This table is here to remind us That Christ will bring everyone given to him by his Father safely through the day of judgment and into paradise itself. Let's look together at our passage. It starts in verse 11. So, Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. 
And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Mount Hermon Missionary Baptist Church guests, I have a somber message for us this morning. A day of final judgment is coming. A day of final judgment is coming. This truth is taught in the plainest possible terms here in our passage. It was also taught throughout the Old Testament, especially in Old Testament prophecy. It is taught by the apostles. And frankly, this truth was central to the teaching of Jesus. Uh, Our Savior spoke often of the final judgment. Jesus loves people. And it is not love to keep hidden the fact that one day we all have an appointment before the throne of God. Friends, this truth about the final judgment is not a peripheral truth. It is not a secondary doctrine. It is a doctrine of primary importance. Christ called people throughout His ministry, and He calls us through this message this morning to prepare, to be ready In Matthew 5, verse 22, Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. In Matthew 10, 15, Jesus taught that it would be worse in the final judgment for those towns that had rejected his apostles and rejected their teaching than even for Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus said that on the last day, the people of Nineveh would rise up and condemn the people of first century Israel because the Ninevites repented when they heard the preaching of Jonah. But here was Jesus. And the Israelites would not repent at his preaching. Jesus spoke in no uncertain terms in Matthew 25 about the Son of Man gathering all humanity before Him, and then there being a great separation, sheep and goats. And the sheep would be welcomed into paradise, but those deemed goats would be cast into hell. I have nine truths about this final judgment that I want to bring to bear upon us this morning. Nine truths from this passage. Here we go. Number one, the final judgment will come at the end of the world immediately after the resurrection of all the dead. So the final judgment will come at the end of the world immediately after the resurrection of all the dead. So we see that great resurrection day Spoken of in verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the the dead who were in them. 
And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. So they are risen from the dead and they are judged. The Bible teaches in clear language that all people will one day be resurrected from the dead. You, me, our grandparents, the saints who have gone before, the wicked of this world, every human being will one day be resurrected. At death, our souls and our bodies separate. But there will be a day when Christ causes each and every body to be risen and each and every soul to be reunited in a resurrected form to that body, ready for judgment. And immediately after this resurrection will come the judgment. Indeed, the purpose of the resurrection is to fit us for the judgment. We will not be judged as half persons, souls without bodies or bodies without souls. We will be judged as whole persons and we will be judged for what we have done in our heart, in our soul, and we will be judged for what we have done in our bodies. Number two, Christ himself will be the judge. Who will be the judge on the last day? It will be Christ himself given this authority by his Father. Our passage speaks of him as the one from whom sky and earth fly away. And yet there is no place found for them. There is nowhere that they can hide. In other words, this is a judge of extreme power and majesty and supremacy. This is a judge that strikes terror in the hearts of his enemies. Before him, the very frame of creation is dissolved. It's the same thing that's taught in 2 Peter 3 verse 10 where we read, The day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. What can that possibly mean? The heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. How do we know that this judge is Christ? Well, there are several passages that teach that Jesus will be the final judge. I'll give you just two. Uh, Matthew 25 31, 32, Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations and He will separate one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So who is going to sit on the throne? Who's going to bring about the separation? The Son of Man. When He comes in His glory. With all his angels. And in Acts 10, Peter's preaching and he's speaking about Jesus. And he says, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, Jesus, is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. And so when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we will be standing before the judgment seat. Of Christ. The judgment seat of God and the judgment seat of Christ are one and the same. God judges the world through his appointed judge, his son, to whom he has given all authority. 
Number three, we see here that Christ will be assisted by his angels and his saints. Christ will be assisted by his angels and his saints. You and I, dear Christian, will not only be judged, but in some way will participate in the final judgment of others. Now, this isn't mentioned explicitly in this passage, so I need to point it out from others so that you see it sure. So so first, let me show you that Christ will be assisted by angels in the day of judgment. Several passages talk about that. Christ being assisted by his angels in the day of judgment. One example, Matthew 13, 41, 42 Uh, There we see that angels do the bidding of Christ, both in gathering people for judgment and then in actually delivering them to their final destination. Uh, Jesus says the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and they will throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Other passages in Matthew's gospel give the same idea. The angels gather together the people for judgment and it is the angels who deliver God's people either into heaven or into hell. But then we also see that Christ will be assisted by his people, by Christians in the judgment. Uh, There are at least two passages that seem to indicate this. I think the most astonishing is 1 Corinthians 6, verses 1 through 3. So just listen to these words and consider what God is saying through the Apostle Paul. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more then matters pertaining to this life? So in that one passage alone, Paul speaks to regular Christians. And he tells them that they will participate both in judging the world and in judging angels. And these were not super spiritual Christians. These were the Corinthians he was writing to with all of their problems and all of their sins and all of their issues. And yet he says, even they, even we, will somehow participate with Christ in the bringing of judgment upon this world. Number four. Every individual of the human race will be judged. Every individual. The only exception you might could point to would be Christ himself and he's the judge. Every other person will be judged and we will be judged individually. This is what verse 12 is talking about. When it says the dead great and small will stand for judgment. In other words, there's no person too great to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And there's no person of such little account that they will not stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The day of judgment will be the great leveler of all mankind. All races. All classes. All people. Individually. Will be judged. 
Some people think that only non-Christians will be judged. But that's contrary to this passage. It's contrary to Scripture. Every person will be judged, believer and unbeliever alike. In Romans 14, verse 10, Paul writing to fellow believers, writing to Christians, and he says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. We will all stand, believers and unbelievers alike. Before the judgment seat of God. Or again, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. Whether good or whether evil. Number five. The standard of judgment will be the revealed will of God. This is a common question, right? When what will be people, I'm sorry, what will people be judged on in the final judgment? Uh, Verse 13 tells us we will be judged according to what we have done. Okay, but what's the measuring stick? (laughs) These things that we've said and thought and done, what's that going to be set beside to determine how we are judged? And the answer is the revealed will of God. We see that probably in Romans 2 more than anywhere else. Uh, Those Gentiles who never knew the Word of God. Those Gentiles who never had a Bible. Those those Gentiles who don't know the truths of theology that we know. They will still be judged by the law of nature. They will be judged based on what was revealed to them about God and about His righteousness both from creation itself And from what God put into their own consciences, the Jews of the Old Testament will be judged on more than just the law of nature. They'll be judged on more than just what they could learn about God from creation or what God had written into their consciences because God spoke to them. God gave them a word. They will be held accountable for that as well. And friends, we will be judged by an even stricter standard because we have a full Bible. We have a complete Bible. We have the full revelation of God. With greater revelation comes greater responsibility. The more light that you have, the more blessed you are. But also the more you will be held accountable for on the last day. It's dangerous to come to church and to hear the word of God. Because we will be held accountable for what we hear. Romans 2 verse 12 All who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. All who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. In this way, God will judge each person fairly and righteously. And every single one will be found guilty before God. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Number six. Number six. Every Part of our lives will be judged. When our passage says in verse 13 that we will be judged according to what we have done, don't limit that to outward actions. Our thoughts are known to God and will be judged. 
1 Corinthians 4 verse 5. Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Every purpose you've ever had in your heart, every motivation will be disclosed, made known on the day when the Lord comes. Our words will be judged. Mark 12, I'm sorry, Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The average person speaks 10,000 words a day. If a person lives 80 years, that means around 282 million words that will be set up against the will of God and on which we will be judged. Surely the wise man is the one whose words are few. Of course, our actions will be judged as well. Jesus said, He will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. Our actions, both of commission, what we did, and omission, what we failed to do, will be brought against us on the day of judgment. Perhaps we also need to mention that even those things that were thought, said, or done in secret will be made known and judged on that day. Several passages teach that in the Bible. One is Ecclesiastes 12, verse 14. It's the very last verse of the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's terrifying. It says, God will bring every deed into judgment with Every secret thing, whether good or evil. Uh, Romans 2.16 speaks of the day when God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Our secret sins are not secret to God. He sees them and He will make them known. And He will bring judgment against them on the last day. Number seven, our judgment will be a public event. Our judgment will be a public event. In fact, our passage presents the day of judgment as the ultimate public event because the entire human race will be gathered together as well as all the heavenly host, myriads and myriads of angels. Your judgment will not be held in the privacy of a judge's quarters, but in a gathering of all God's created intelligent beings. You say, Justin, if all people are going to be judged that way, it's going to take a very long time. Maybe so. We'll have plenty of time. Or maybe there will be factors in play that we don't fully know or we don't fully understand. Eternity will be before us, either an eternity in heaven or an eternity in hell. And each of us will be judged publicly. Why? 
so that the God we have disobeyed and dishonored will be publicly glorified in the sight of all. So that Christ will be vindicated as Lord over all, even over those who cursed Him during their lifetimes. Our judgment will be a public judgment so that true wickedness of this world will be seen by all. Every person's secrets will be revealed. And trust me, when every person's secrets have been revealed, no one will think God unfair in His judgment. No one will think God unrighteous when our secret sins are laid bare for all to see. Also, this public judgment will vindicate God's saints. So many who were hurt, slandered, imprisoned, even killed for their faith, will see those who harmed them judged by their heavenly Father. One commentator says, Not only will the covenant people witness the exposure and the condemnation of their enemies and persecutors, But the persecutors of faithful Christians, the skeptics and the mockers of the truth will witness the exaltation of believers for the fruits of their faith and the good works done in their body. It will be a day when the tables will be turned, when the humble shall be exalted, the meek shall inherit the earth, and the wicked and the proud and the boastful shall be brought low. And all who laughed at true religion will be publicly cast into hell. Who can preach on this in a glib manner? Number eight. The verdict of Christ will be final and irrevocable. Or some people say irrevocable. (laughs) However you pronounce it, that's okay. The verdict of Christ will be final and irrevocable. Irrevocable, meaning you won't be able to overturn Christ's verdict. There will be no appeal. There is no higher authority. There will be no supremer court that you can turn to. When Christ pronounces His judgment upon you, that judgment will stick, and it will stick for all eternity, regardless of how you feel about it. No pleas for mercy will be heard any longer. No excuses will be considered Jesus Christ is Lord of all, an office He has earned as the Son of Man, living the life we've all failed to live, and His decision will be right, and His decision will be final. And number nine, the final judgment will put a final end to all rebellion against God. The final judgment will put a final end to all rebellion against God. One writer says, For thousands of years God has showed patience and long-suffering to a wicked world. He has blessed the wicked with sunshine and with rain, with food and delights of every kind. Beautiful beaches, lovely sunsets, family, friends, enjoyments, great food, fun, laughter, merriment. 
But a day is coming when all rebellion will be crushed. For the unrepentant, the good times are coming to an end. The doctrine of the final judgment is a total repudiation of evolutionary, cyclical, or Manichaean concepts of history. There has been a long day for sinning. Therefore, God has ordained a special day for punishing. The definitive victory over evil that Christ achieved at the cross becomes a perfected reality on the day when he forever separates the sheep from the goats. So now we come to the crucial question. It is the most important question I could put before you this morning. How will you fare on the day of judgment? Will you be one who is brought into paradise? Or will you be one cast into the lake of fire? Is an eternity in hell in your future this morning? Verse 15 presents us with a crucial piece of data. Namely, it all depends on whether your name is in the book. Because the fact is, none of us measure up. When it talks about the judge on the throne opening up books, those books are the record of our thoughts, our words, our actions, and they will stand against us and they will accuse us. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Even our best acts are but filthy rags in the sight of a perfectly holy God. Whatever good you think you will bring before God on that day to earn His favor, you will find it completely burnt up on that day. It will amount to nothing. Anything done in our strength and not done in faith is sin. And our loss and our greed and our manipulation of others, our selfishness, it will all stand against us on that day, crying out for our damnation. And our only hope is that when Christ opens the book of life, your name will be there. My name will be there. Will it be there? Friends, the Lamb's book of life is the book of the names of every person who turns from their sin and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ as their only hope of salvation. These are people who have stopped trying to be good enough. They've stopped trying to earn God's favor by having their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds. No, they've stopped thinking that they can somehow clean themselves up enough to be right before God. They've seen how vile their sin is. They've seen how their sins stack up against them like Mount Everest. And they've also seen how Jesus Christ did everything necessary in His perfect life and His substitutionary death to wash away our sins and to make us right with God. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes on Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so this is a call for us to surrender to Jesus Christ as our only hope. 
It's not a call for you to keep living as you are with a religious facade. It's a call for you to come to Jesus just as you are in all your sinfulness, in all your mess. Come to Him and cry out for Him to save you. Trust Him and start learning from Him what it is to live a life that pleases God. All who come to Jesus with sincere faith will find that he brings them safely through the day of judgment and into heaven itself. Christians in this room, as we take this bread and this cup, we are taking the reminders of what Christ did to purchase our salvation from hell and our entrance into heaven. And so let us be grateful. Let us worship those who have been saved from much have reason to be much grateful. But show it in the way that we take the Lord's Supper. And let us rem- remember that for those who are in Christ, the day of judgment will give way to the next day, the day of the great wedding feast, when we will be with our Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. Let's pray.